Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything in racing this week. Joining me in the studio are Richard Uden and Seth Eggert. Guys, how we doing tonight? Terrific. Good, thanks. All right, so, uh, well, the big news this week is that um, we have no news this week. It's an off weekend of race, and all of the uh, the major series are over except Formula One. Although the championship has been decided, uh, so we're just gonna we're just gonna go off about uh, several random different uh, racing topics today and say whatever comes in our mind. No real theme. Uh, there are, are some couple of uh, pertinent stories uh, regarding drivers and sponsor announcements here and there. But I kind of wanted to. Um... Gray Warren, did I not introduce you? Well, I heard you introduce Seth. Oh, okay. <laughs> You see, guys, we have nothing to talk about today, but now we do. Joining me in the studio, Mr. Gray Warren. How are you today? Uh, and, and, and Seth Eggert, not with us tonight. Seth off on assignment, so, uh, but I digress. Uh, apologize to you, Gray. I'm feeling a little under the weather. I do apologize. But, uh, That's all right. You give me the, Richard just gave me the best laugh I've had all day at my own expense. So, But let's talk about this announcement from Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Gray. Let's talk about this announcement from Volkswagen. Uh, uh, earlier this week, uh, Volkswagen Motorsport announced that they would no longer pursue or develop uh, any racing cars that had internal combustion engines. Um, and this is a pretty significant announcement. It's one of the first major manufacturers to kind of um, take this step to say that all their future racing programs will be electric. Now we know that uh, Formula V or Formula E rather uh, does have a very heavy manufacturer interest um, over there. So there are a lot, a lot of manufacturers interested in the electric racing. But what do you think this means for the the future of the sport as a whole, uh, particularly if the, if other manufacturers decide to follow suit? Yeah, well, do you consider uh, Volkswagen a major player in the in, yeah, in, the, in the world of motorsports? I mean. Really, well, I mean, not not necessarily, but I, I'm just saying if this is the first domino, you know, had this announcement come from, say, Chevrolet, right, yeah, it, or, or, uh, from, or from Mercedes-Benz, yeah, it would be, but, but, but yeah, I'm just saying, just 
if if other manufacturers want to pursue that program, um, what are we what are we looking at? So what's how how important is this is this announcement from Volkswagen? I, I, I don't think think it is major. As I said, I think if they were involved in a, a sort of a, a tier one motorsport, you know, a Formula One, a NASCAR, an IndyCar, uh, they had a factory Le Mans program, for example, I think it would be big news that they'd be shutting those programs down. But I think I think where it is and the um, nature of where they are in motorsport, I think it's probably a logical move for them. It's like if they're looking to invest in motorsport and they want to put money into the project, then they've got to look at the long-term feasibility of that 5, 10, 15 years down the line. Well, you know, where will those sports be that have, you know, internal combustion engines? Um, you know, where will those sports be? There probably won't be many of those around. You know, you look at the likes of NASCAR, IndyCar, even World Rally, they're all heavily leaning towards hybrid or fully electric series. Um, there's now a, a, an off-road version of uh, Formula E, for want of a better word, in the works that will be debuting next year. Um, so I, I think it's just a, a natural progression for a team or an organization that is not heavily involved in top-line motorsport. As I say, I think if it was a, a bigger team that had a bigger interest, in motorsport, it would be a more significant news story. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Gray, and your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think it moves the needle. I, I, I really don't, because you, you look at Volkswagen. I mean, they're, they're not involved in a major, a major uh, form of motorsports. I, I think it's more of a, more just of a, a corporate stance going forward that they are not going to. Uh, uh, use resources to develop a internal combustion engine in uh, in motorsports in in the future because the, it's it's not the future of of, uh, uh, of the automobile industry. We're obviously, we're going to go in like like uh, like Richard said. We're heading more toward the hybrid uh, uh, type cars uh, and and potentially going to all electric at some point in, in the in the near future, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to move the needle in the states whatsoever. I now, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of other smaller series over in Europe that uh, that they may be involved in, and it may be may have some effect down the road. But I mean, as far as being uh, something that's going to make the headlines and all the major racing uh, periodicals, I, I don't think it will. All right. So, uh, well, when you consider the the, the main goal of uh, manufacturer racing, uh, the two goals are, number one, to develop technology that will end up in a road car at some point in time. Then the other the other goal is to, to use, you use your racing results as a marketing tool. Now, now when you look at a series like um, NASCAR or even IndyCar right now, you know, prior to the um, – to the hybrid system that's coming out, the, the, the marketing tool is a stronger thing there. A lot of, a lot of the systems – in, in NASCAR, for for a you know a better word, are, are a bit antiquated when it comes to what's in a road car. Um, so uh, might we see more racing series leaning towards change? And and like you said, we've talked about uh, you know the IndyCar going hybrid, NASCAR seriously looking at it, looking at it in all electric series. Um, Indy, IndyCar uh, is involved with a, a program with where they're going to use Indy Lights chassis to make um, 100% autonomous cars, and they're actually going to race them. Um, and at Indianapolis, the autonomous cars here. So, uh, 
Uh, what do you see as the you know future manufacturer interest in in racing? Do we see racing really evolving to to more and more series going closer and closer to all electric? And and does that tear the heart and soul out of out of racing as we know it? In the future? Well, it te- it would tear the heart and soul out of it for for obvious contemporary race fans. You know what I'm saying? What it'll do for future race fans remains remains to be seen because that's all they will know. Uh, for people like us who've grown up with the sound of a screaming V8 engine or V10 or V12, depending on what series we we follow or come from, uh, it would be it's going to lose some luster going to to uh, to a uh, through that progression from hybrid to all electric. Uh, you know, I've watched the Formula E on TV, and you know that. It, they sound like uh, power wheels, you know, <laughs> going, for, for lack of a better term, a battery-operated vehicle. But do you not think that the racing is actually really good? Yeah, the side-by-side racing, but there's a thing that, that, that you, know, yeah. I, you know you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah. the, the side-by-side racing, yeah, the visual part of it, yeah, these guys, these guys get out there. And you, I mean, if you turn, turn the sound down on your TV – watching contemporary race cars it would look the same you know what i'm saying as far as the side-by-side battle and the dicing and whatnot but obviously for the for the fan experience at the track that's part of it the roar of the of the engine the 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 the, the power you know the 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 raw power and i mean to me you know who who, i love i love to hear a finely tuned racing engine i'm sure both Mm -hmm. of you guys would agree as well that you that's what you've grown up with I think it would be a major. I, I just think it would be a major turnoff to what I what I'm going to term as contemporary race fans. And some may buy into it and adjust to it, but I think by and large, I think a lot of fans who've grown up with the with 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 the internal combustion engine, you know, would uh, uh, and of course a lot of these guys are car guys. They're tinkerers. You know what I'm saying? That the mechanics of it, you know, the valve train, the reciprocating assembly, all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, that's what car guys are into. And obviously you would lose some of that when you, when you, when through that progression to, to all electric too. So, but, but there again, another, another generation won't know that. So it's hard to say, but I think that transition in, in anything, you're going to lose, you're going to lose some fans, but you may gain, on the back end, a newer fan. I just, um, you know, I'm concerned with NASCAR's thing. You know, they're talking about going to uh, this new car they're going to in in, uh, in 2021 that's going to be a, a stark departure from what we've been running. I mean, the, the basic design race car that that uh, is running NASCAR now has its roots going back to 19 to the mid-60s. Uh, you know, with the with the type of suspension front and rear that they use and, and that kind of thing. So this is going to be completely different. And there's talk in NASCAR, obviously, uh, with their involvement with manufacturers of, of employing some kind of hybrid technology uh, in the next, uh, I would say, next five or six years will, will, will be coming about. Now, how that's going to affect the, the, the older fan I don't know, how, you know, when we once we see these cars. So it's 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 um, you know, you got to change with the times. I understand that part too. But you know, NASCAR's had a successful formula 
with this type of car that they've had for many, many years. Uh, and with them going to a complete uh, uh, revamp, it's, uh, it's it, I think it's I think it's somewhat of a gamble for NASCAR. I think it is, but again, like to to your point about contemporary fans, yeah, if you look at racing fifty years ago, you know it's it's remarkably different than what we see today. But there there are a lot of elements of it that, that are still similar. Yeah, it's, it's so still, yeah, so and if we still, look if we and yeah. if we look try to look fifty years into the future, I'm sure there there are still going to be elements that are still similar. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I hope, <laughs> but it's going to be remarkably different. So we'll just have to see what the, the future brings. But, I, I, you know, I see more and more interest in this hybrid technology. Um, and it's 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 in order for manufacturers to get their bang for their buck um, on the racetrack, uh, the, the racing series are going to have to mirror what we want to see in a road car, or what do they like to see in their road cars in the future. You know, and, and it was an article, several articles out this week, you know, with, with you know, with the end of the NASCAR season and talking to uh, the president of NASCAR. And they were talking about, you know, you know, going in the future. And I think he gave sort of a state of the support of the sport address to the media when he was at Homestead. And that was one of the topics they talked about. And, and you know, Richard understands this a whole lot better than I, but. You know, they talk about going this hybrid technology and they're going to have to regenerate some of the power and stuff. And I mean, I'm sure that's something they're going to have to study and something they're going to have to work in NASCAR to be able to 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 to, to make it work. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a work in progress, something that they'll work with the manufacturers to do, because, again, that's the future of, of, of you know, what 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 the, you know, Ford and Chevrolet and Toyota are going to produce down the road because it's going to be uh you know, uh, with with uh, you know all the hubbub about climate change and this, that, and the other, and everything, everybody want to reduce the carbon footprint and things like that. Obviously, that's the direction that we're headed in as a society. So yeah, um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to change uh, over the next, uh, I would say, the next decade. Certainly. Now, Richard, let, let's talk about these hybrid systems that, that are used in Formula One right now and a little bit about the one that's going to be used in IndyCar now. Is My understanding is I'm not a I'm not, not a big engineering tech guy, but my understanding is that we regenerate power based on the braking. Um, that's, yeah. that's, cor- that's correct. So and yeah. we've talked about this in IndyCar. Well, how does that work on an oval? So so take that another step forward. How does it you know what what? What kind of technology can you apply hybrid-wise to NASCAR where we're racing primarily ovals? Yeah, I mean, that is going to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think the only way you're going to – it's only, the only way it's realistically going to work is to have that um, – you know, there's got to be a trade-off, hasn't there? And I think Formula One did it quite well. And they, they said, look, there's a lot of negativity about these um, – uh, hybrids and and you know it was a contentious call when they went that way, but they said okay well to, as a compromise we're going to give you fat, you know higher top speeds we're going to enable you to to, to push the cars harder, and in return you're going to break harder. So I think what you'll probably end up seeing is probably a higher straight line speed from the cup car, which isn't hard to do really. I mean the, the engines are pretty rudimental as it is at the moment. It's not hard to eat more power out of those. Um, so if you give them more power, it will allow them to, to regenerate or use regenerative braking through the uh, through the corners. Um, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether you know that's going to act as a true hybrid and what percentage of power they'll be able to gain from the regeneration, I wouldn't like to say. I mean, it's not going to be a huge number uh, in terms of percentage, but it, it'll be considerable. And uh, you know, it, it's almost going to be can um, you know, it depends how they enable. Put it that way. If they're going to be enable it so that that power can be deployed like it is in a Formula One car, or if it can just be used in conjunction with the existing power output, it's, uh, it'll be an interesting concept. I'm not sure quite how they're going to work that, but um, I think that, you know, hybrid these hybrid systems are not cheap, that's the problem, and no matter what anybody does to get them in a cup car where they're obviously trying to reduce cost as much as possible, it's not easy. Now, I can't remember the going cost of a cup engine or, a, um, you know, a, a lease scheme for a year with a uh, with an engine manufacturer. It's certainly in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year for an engine deal. But, um, you know, for, for a hybrid engine, you're probably going to be looking to double that easily with the technology that's being involved. So how that's going to work from a competition standpoint, I'm, I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. You want to bring more manufacturing interest to the sport, but you don't want to drive the competitors out by making that price tag too high. It's a very, it's a very narrow line. Yeah. So, well, we'll just have to see what the future brings. Um, IndyCar will introduce their system in 2022. Uh, Formula One continues to refine theirs, and NASCAR has one on the books yet to be announced. So, but let's uh, let's talk about some some driver news. Um, uh, here and there. In the IndyCar series, the much-rumored um, Nico Hulkenberg coming to Ed Carpenter team turned out to be uh, absolutely false. Uh, now, um, Rhinus VK did sign with Ed Carpenter Racing uh, to take uh, the seat that was occupied by Spencer Piggott. Um, and, and again, here's a here's a young man that was given a chance by um, you know, Ed Carpenter, and um, Ed, Ed would have loved to retain the guy. But the fact remains that he, he needed a guy that could bring some money to the team. You know, Ed uh, brought along uh, Scudia Corsi um, last year to help out after he lost his um, fuzzy sponsorship. But um, Rhinus VK comes well-funded, well-funded with um, some sponsors from the Netherlands. So um, the fact that he's a pay driver uh, shouldn't put you off because the kid is really, really good. He was a standout. In, in the three IndyCar ladder series, and this is a, a ride he deserves. Uh, yes, he's paying for, but unfortunately, the collateral damage 
Spencer Piggott, you know, is another it's another former um another former graduate of the latter series Indy Lights champion that's uh, without a ride much like uh, Ed Jones who was in that that other seat. Now Ed's not announced that he's out of that other seat at Carpenter yet. Um Although we do know that it's not going to be Nico Hulkenberg, but uh, Carpenter says that seat is signed. He just uh, there's a few details you're waiting out ironing did out I, before did they I didn't make the announcement. I, yeah. Did I see where Danica Patrick is going to run some oval races for Ed Carpenter? Um, what you saw was a somebody reposted that article from um, April Fool's Day. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I, I saw yeah, it. yeah. Somebody, I yeah, saw somebody, it. I saw, I saw that. that that made yeah. the rounds again, yeah. But no, Danica mm-hmm. is pretty happy with her her podcast and her talk show appearances here and there, um, and I, I believe she's writing a, another book. Uh, but no, that uh, that was a, a false rumor. Um, the 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 one story that is kind of gaining steam is that that other seat um, at Carpenter, the road and street course seat alongside Ed, who will drive the over races, is going to be Connor Daly, which should be. Good for Connor and good for the fans. He's a fan favorite. Um, he's had a couple of shots at a full-time run, never really capitalized a ton. He's had a few good results here and there. But, um, again, Ed Carpenter, if nothing else, has kind of shown that um, it's a good place to develop a driver. If you look at um, Joseph Newgarden, who um, whose um, driving improved tremendously uh, after – Ed Carpenter and Sarah Fisher merged their teams, and and we all know Joseph now is a two-time champion and a Penske driver, and that's that's uh, has a lot to do with working with with Ed Carpenter on, uh, uh, you know, just up upping his game and how he approaches racing. And Spencer Piggott came along well. Unfortunately, his his tenure has ended, um, you know, due to financial conditions. But um, so uh, it'll be it'll be a good spot for Connor if he gets that. Uh, but. We'll see. That's, uh, you know, nothing solid. Uh, you know, the, the rumor mill in IndyCar is strong, and, and sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes there's not. Um, but the other thing that we do know is that Sebastian Bourdais, who's a four-time champion in the in the Champ Car Series, is out of work at uh, uh, this late point in the season. Um, Dale Coin Racing had to let them go due to lack of funding. Uh, Coin has... Uh, Stated that he's he's looking for a paid driver. He said, "Plain, plain and simple, he needs a guy with five or six million dollars." Um, the the reason Bourdais was let go is has to do with funding and nothing to do with um, any strife within the team. They all wish they could have retained him. Um, the at least one news source, the Associated Press, is reporting that Honda has cut the support for that car based on the fact that Bourdais earned zero manufacturer championship points. Uh, for Honda last year. Um, that is true that he earned no points. Um, and, and to the folks that are, don't really understand how the manufacturer points structure work, you're thinking, well, he got a podium and he got a couple, you know, top tens. How did he not score any manufacturer points? The IndyCar manufacturer points, only four cars per event earn manufacturer points. Now would be the top two finishing Chevys and the top two finishing Hondas. So I mean, if 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 Chevrolet cars finish first through fifth, the first and second place uh, Chevrolet cars will get uh, manufacturer points, and then the sixth and seventh place Honda cars will. Um, Bourdais podium um, came at Barber. Uh, the two cars ahead of him were both Hondas. Honda finished one, two, three. Therefore, Sebastian no manufacturer points. Um, I mean, even. 
Marco Andretti, who had a horrible season, um, his seventh place in Portland was good for Honda manufacturer points because the top six cars were Chevrolet. So it's kind of it's funny how it works. There was one other guy who earned no points for Honda, and that was Zach Veach. Uh, now, Veach is very well funded. I, I don't know that uh, Honda has pulled the plug on supporting him or, uh, you know, because it, uh, he's part of the five-car Andretti team. I, I don't know if he gets a pass, but this is honestly the first time I've, I've heard of a manufacturer pulling the support of a driver because they didn't earn manufacturer points. And, and again, there's the Associated Press reported this, but some other sources like Racer and whatnot did not. They just said financial reasons. I do believe they've lost the Sealmaster sponsorship. Um, and then, of course, there's the underlying theory that James Hinchcliffe is still a Honda guy and Honda pulled the, the plug on Bourdais so they can make room for Hinchcliffe. And uh, if if they put Hinchcliffe in the car, that could be the case. I honestly don't see it happening, based on the fact that Dale Coyne was very, you know, point blank and plain about saying, "I need a guy with five or six million dollars." So, well, we'll have to see what the uh, driver announcement is. There, we'll find out uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, if uh, if Dale doesn't find a guy, we don't know if he drops to a one car team for um for Santino. So, uh, Richard. And or Gray, this is so we've got a couple of high-profile guys uh, in Hinchcliffe and uh, Bourdais um, on the outside looking in. Spencer Piggott, another guy who with a lot of potential on the outside looking in. Um, and we've got some really young, talented guys with money coming in to take some other seats. Um, uh, now Oliver Askew is uh, McLaren. He does have a little money with the with the. Um, the Indy Light Scholarship, uh, McLaren, of course, have uh, have some sponsors. They've uh, they've got some money. They've got you know Arrow Electronic as a sponsor. Uh, Award is a not a pay driver over there, but he's a young and talented guy. So, what do you overall um, do you see this this a bit of a changing of the guard here? Is this good for the sport or bad for the sport that we're seeing some really top guys who just can't uh, just can't keep a ride based on talent and they need to need to get um, money? Yeah, I think it's. Uh... Firstly, it's a, it's a shame really to, to, to lose drivers of that calibre uh, from the series. I know Bourdais probably hadn't had the, uh, the success that he wanted or his talent deserved over the last uh, last, last few years. But um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 sad, it's, it's really just sad in a way that you know talent doesn't necessarily guarantee you uh, uh, driving one of these cars, but. In all fairness, there's nothing new. We've known this for, for as long as we've been watching racing. The concept of the paid driver and uh, the paid seat. But, uh, you know, you'd like to think that it's never going to happen to, you know, somebody in, in, in those realms of, of talent. But um, it's, yeah, it happens to the best of them. And it's a, it's a cruel world. And it shows the, um, it shows two things, really. I think it shows the strength of IndyCar that, um, you know, there is a lot of these very talented young drivers coming through. But then it also shows the politics of IndyCar where, um, you know, you stick a check in front of a, a team owner's nose and, um, you know, they, they bite your hand off. Um, in all fairness, there's probably only two teams out there, maybe three, that don't rely on a paid drivers, Penske, Andretti and Ganassi. I think... Um, well, Ganassi... Ganassi... Um took on uh, Ericsson because he is funded. Well, yeah. I mean, Ericsson, yeah, Ericsson, they added a, they added a third cover Ericsson, and Ericsson is bringing 
what I'm told between two and four million dollars to the team. I mean, he's he's funded by a consortium of different companies, but he's and Ganassi also said that he'd be happy to take Hinchcliffe on if Hinchcliffe brought a sponsor with five or six million dollars. Okay, so you know, the sign, sign him in a second if he <laughs> if, if he had the money, yeah. So and so even two teams, okay. two teams, yeah. Well, even <laughs> and, and, and Dreddy's relying on you know Zach Veach brings that um, that uh, Gainbridge one thousand one group. Um, he brought that sponsor along, and they're they give the team more funding than uh, I believe DHL and Napa combined. So yeah. uh, you know, pay drivers are everywhere, even at the top echelon of the sport. True. Well, it also shows you the the, the, the hard hard facts about economics in this sport too. You know, it's still tough times out there. I mean, for 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 teams, even NASCAR and uh, and and IndyCar, because basically, let's let's, let's face it, uh, TV ratings are down. You know, across the board for all motorsports, and uh, you know, this it's still a struggle out there to get uh, teams fully fully funded. I mean, you got like Richard said, you've got the Penske's and and uh, and the big teams that are uh, Andretti's that are able to uh, probably do this with with a little bit a little bit more ease than the others, but yeah, it's still a still a harsh reality of the business. Certainly, yeah. Now, in all of this driver mess and and these you know teams needing funding, there is some good news out there. Uh, Jack Harvey, who had a partial season with uh, Meyer Shank Racing last year, has announced that he's got they've got enough funding. And that uh, Michael Shang Racing is good to go to run the full series. Um, they've got sponsorship from AutoNation. Um, so that's in the sea of all these other guys looking for funding. You know, Jack Harvey and Michael Shank have managed to, uh, uh, you know, parlay a rather a rather good partial season last year where Jack had some very, very good runs into a full season deal for this year. They've they've switched their alliance. They, they were aligned with um, Arrow Schmidt-Peterson, but now they'll be aligned with Andretti as a technical part, partner, which will certainly be helpful. We all know the Andretti team is quite successful. So uh, that's some good news for there. And Jack Harvey, if you don't if you don't know Jack, he, he has a series of videos he puts out on YouTube called If You Don't Know Jack, uh, where he, he lets you in uh, on his, his life and, and things he does. And it's pretty interesting. He, he may put a video of himself, uh, you know, working out, or he had uh, one I found particularly interesting where he went to the uh, Bell Helmet Shop to, to pick up his helmet that was uh, um, being prepared uh, before race weekend. And just some really interesting stuff. But those sort of things have, have kind of gravitated a lot of fans towards Jack Harvey. Jack Harvey is building a nice fan base uh, with an IndyCar. Plus he's a you know he, he's a he's a charming guy and he's a good driver. So that's that's a big positive right there. So Richard. Yes. Yes, since we don't have tons to talk about this week. Uh, <laughs> let's uh let's talk about what's going on in Formula One because I'm I'm I've been reading a lot of really weird, crazy rumors. I mean I read one today that that Daniel Ricardo is on standby to drive the Ferrari in case Sebastian Bell Vettel deci- decides to retire in the middle of this week. Um how how does that work when Ricardo is driving for Renault? Uh I mean is this is this just um Sports writers being bored, or, or or are there some legs to that story? Oh, you never know with Danny Ricardo, do you? I think he'd obviously jump at the chance. Um, I, I think I'd be surprised if Vettel does walk away. I think if he, you know, I mean, there's nowhere else for him to go, so it'd be a full retirement 
deal if he did leave. Um, I I can't see it to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if that happened. But uh, hey, you didn't say that when Nico Rosberg won the championship and uh, he walked away the following uh, you know the following day or whatever it was. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's very unlikely. Would I mean Ricciardo would go there in a heartbeat? I'm sure. It's not to say that um, the Red Bull project isn't going to work. Oh, sorry, the Renault project isn't going to work long term. But I don't think it's turned out to be quite as competitive as it hoped. Uh, I think the big telltale for Renault is that McLaren have been more competitive than they have towards the latter end of the season, and because they're running the same power plant. So uh, yeah, that's obviously showing a. Not only that, you know, Renault is probably down on power compared to the, you know, even compared to Honda, which is a big statement, but compared to Mercedes and Ferrari, definitely probably on par with Honda, maybe. Um, but that their their um, chassis and aero department are certainly not up to par with McLaren, which isn't a surprise given McLaren's pedigree and history and resources that they have available. So, you know, McLaren will will start to become competitive again for sure. Um, but as for as for Danny Ricciardo going off to Ferrari. Whew. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that came out of on that came one. out of left field, you know. I said, "Boy, that's an article that you know somebody just gunning for clicks or something." When I read that, so uh, and then, then I read another article about uh, Pirelli's concern that uh, spectators are are too confused with the tire data that's being shown on television. Yeah, you that's a complete. That is, you know, to tell you the truth, that is a load of uh, you know whatever you want to insert your own expletive at your free will there. It is, it's garbage. It really is. I mean, how they can even pretend to know some of that data, I just, it, it's just mind-blowing. I mean, and it, unfortunately, it does destroy the concept for the fans because the fans are going, oh, well, they're saying he's on, you know, 40% tired, but you know, forget it, you know. No way is that the case. No way is that the case. Um, they would have to be getting very, very, very detailed proprietary information from all the teams um and this is that's just not going to happen yeah, they're just taking probably they're just looking at a very very basic algorithm based on tire age and lap time to work out the tire health um you know i yeah i wouldn't uh <coughs> i wouldn't i i think it's silly i i really do you know it's um yeah yeah so, so they, they, the, the TV people, they just make it up, huh? Well, pretty, it's, pretty much, it's huh? an educated guess. Let's put it that way. So, and it's well, I mean, you've got a, yeah, but too, I mean, do you think it's uh, Pirelli says it's too confusing for the average fan? I mean, do you think the average fan is really is watching that and says, my gosh, I'm so confused about that. You know, I think they do a decent enough job of explaining it, but then again, I'm, I'm not what you what would call the average fan. Wrong. I've got a good base of knowledge, so... Yeah, the, the problem is what they're explaining is fundamentally wrong. So it's not that they're confused by it, it's just, again, the point you make there, they don't know any difference. So they're, they're you know, it's, it's like, you know... A, a, a complete novice going into a you know a situation that they're familiar with and an expert saying oh you know this is so and so and you believe them because you you take what they say as gospel uh and, you know if this is the first time you're you know you're watching a form one race or you're not technically technically minded or you don't understand the intricacies of tire degradation 
you look at that information and go, well, that's right. Oh, so that means that Hamilton's a far better driver than Verstappen because Hamilton can do this lap time when his tyres have got 40% life, whereas Verstappen's on 80% life and he can't keep up. And it's just it just doesn't work that way. The dynamics and the the, the structure of a tyre, it's just no. <laughs> it's just yeah. So 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 what you're saying, if they if they really explained it to the fans, we, we'd all be thoroughly confused because they're just they're just so much that goes into that. I got you, I got you. Well, I think it would. I mean, it, and that's not to be patronizing, but it is. You know, it is literally a black art. Um, I mean, you take a you know a Formula One team. I, I couldn't give you a number, but I would estimate that take a Mercedes or a Red Bull or a Ferrari. I'm going to have a guess that they have at least 10, if not 20, sometimes PhD qualified engineers working on tyre predictions and tyre degradation and tyre performance. You can't portray the information to Bob, who turns on and watches Formula One every once every two weeks on a little colour chart with some tyres on. You know, it's, it's just not true. It's just so bad. You're almost better off not putting it on there because you're you're giving them wrong information and misleading information. Well, it's not only in motorsports; it's in every sport. You you look at look at NFL football on the TV. How many magazine shows that are about football every week? And you've got they parade out a line <laughs> of, of talking heads. That you know, you and I watch the ball oh, yeah. game on Sunday, and you got 15 people come in and sit down and break down and tell you what you have seen in their opinion. Basically, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, the bit I love and burst is I was watching one game the other week, and every player on the field was the best player in his position. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like say something negative, please. Right. It's, it's it, like, you know, it's it's just fluffing it all up to make it sound good. And they've got to be very careful with the information they give out because it can become misleading and it'll confuse fans. You know, it's that that concept of a little information is dangerous, a little knowledge is dangerous because they're gonna sit there and they're gonna make presumptions based on this information, which is fundamentally flawed. Yeah. And it, being, it's unfair it, it, on the drivers and the teams associated with it. Yeah. It's 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 like bench racing, you know. You're gonna you're always gonna have people come out and have their opinions, and obviously that's the fun part of, of viewership. You can sit and have your opinions, right, wrong, or indifferent, you know. And you've got people that come along with stuff that support it, and some people that come along and just blow it up. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's 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 part of it. And I guess you know the the people who the people in the media who, who, who do this stuff, that's, that's, that's their job. They have to come up with, with stuff to talk about and, and a storyline to follow. Yeah. And, and, and this, is what, this is what comes out of it, you know, and uh, <coughs> whether it's true or not or somebody, you know, some of it's rumor, some of it's conjecture, some, you know, it's just it's hard to say where it all comes from. And it's that way in anything, politics. Sports and anything really in, yeah. in this day and time. Oh yeah, and and every everybody's an expert because you know everybody social media allows everybody to get their opinion out there. So it's 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 an interesting time we live in. Yeah, we we don't have to just listen to qualified experts. We can listen to 
self-proclaimed experts and and argue with them in a public form. Yeah, just like we do, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so Richard, we're, Formula One is – we've got one race left, but we're essentially going into a – it's a bit of a, a lame duck season on the current engine package um, before – it's 2021 where a new engine package is coming. Is that correct or is it 22? I think I think the engine package is staying the same. It's the aero package and the um, uh, mechanical package that's changing. So for 2021, they're going to reintroduce the ground effect uh, concept into Formula One with the air, the aim of producing a lot more undercar aero, which will mean that they're far less susceptible to following in what they call the dirty air from the cars in front. So right, I so- believe the engine packages are staying reasonably consistent. Um, I think it's the aero side that's seeing the biggest changes. So that'll okay, be so I mean, with, with that, it, year, basically. yeah, right. So with that in mind, right. So we're going into the 2020 season where we're we're going to have wholesale changes in 2021. Yeah. Um, does that mean for like a more competitive season next year for us? Because a lot of folks will really not focus on developing the current car as much as as much as tooling resources into the new car. Um, will we see a plateau, or, or do you think that some folks will just continue to develop on, on the current car? I think, well... It's an interesting kind of conundrum then, you know what I mean? Why, why funnel sure. money into this when when you're shelving it at the end of the year? A hundred percent. I mean, obviously there's the rewards and accolades that come with, with being successful next year, but um, there's two schools of thought to it, isn't there, really? You, you take the Braun <coughs> concept, who are probably the most recent uh, winners, if you like, from a big aero change or a big uh, performance change. And, well, I guess you can also include Mercedes in that conversation when they went to the hybrid era. I mean, they've been undefeated since we've run a hybrid engine in the championship. Uh, And both those teams sacrificed the previous year to get that sort of uh, leg up, if you like, in in their first championship winning season. So... You'd you'd have it a, have it a guess as teams like Williams and dare say Haas and some of the smaller teams will be putting less effort into their 2020 car and and diverting resources to 2021 earlier because it's an opportunity for them to become competitive um, quicker. Whether you'll see the same thing at the front of the field is is questionable. You could argue that the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari will be a bigger advantage because they can do a dual development scheme. You know, they can develop a 2020 car and a 2021 car and still be competitive. So um, it's uh, it's a little bit of a balancing act there for sure. But, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? It's it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. You know, and, and you, think, you think about it, will – the rules are the same for everybody now. You know what I'm saying, and yeah. and, you, and you don't have parity. You're not <laughs> you, you, by by taking things away, essentially from the from the from the bigger teams, the more successful teams. You would think that they it's going to bring them back to the rest of the field. But what people well, fail to realize there's a reason. There's other reasons that these teams are 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 as successful as they Correct. are and you're never going to take those those no. intangibles 100%. away and they, and the cream is still going to rise to the top 
even when you take those things away to bring them back to the rest of the field. And and an interesting comment that came out of this, obviously for 2021, there's going to be this budget cap of $175 million a season, I think it is, which uh, some of the small teams aren't anywhere near anyway. So it's it's a little bit of a uh, misnomer that. But Christian Horner came around and made the comment that, you know, 2021, or sorry, 2020 will be the most expensive season in Formula One. Primarily because a lot of these bigger teams, you know, the Red Bulls, Mercedes, Ferraris, are going to front load their budgets for future seasons. So they're going to invest heavily in resources and invest heavily in hardware and the like to to get that leg up before they hit 2021, which will put them in an even arguably in an even stronger position compared to their rivals going into that season. Right, because they'll have, you know, they'll spend. Yeah. Right, the, the overhead will be purchased. And there's you know, so many caveats to how this money could this 175 million dollars, which say it quickly, um, you know, can be spent. It doesn't. That's not part of the engine budget. That's not part of the driver budget. That's not part of the marketing budget. That's not you know part of any of these budgets. Um, how do you govern? It can be very very interesting. Sorry. How do you govern it? It's it's like you know um, it's like turkeys voting for Thanksgiving, isn't it? Really. It's very, very, very difficult. Um, you've got to be very, um, uh, yeah. I, you're going to have to. There's going to have to be a certain level of self-governance involved here, and mm-hmm. the fines for not achieving that self-governance are going to have to be very extreme. And I'm sure they will get independent auditors and financial experts to come in and and review the team mm-hmm. spending as much as possible, but. You know, just as much as these teams employ some of the world's best engineers, they also employ some of the world's best accountants and the world's best lawyers and the world's best marketing people. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, uh, you know, a little bit of funny money goes on, a little bit of, you know, manipulation and accounting goes on. That's right. I Um, I I took a course in college, how to lie with statistics. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, yeah, it's it's going to be very hard to govern. You know, unlike like a salary cap in in a stick and ball sport where it's easy to see that you're paying this player this much and and this is what it adds up to. When you're talking uh, what the race team is spending, you've got I mean, in a lot of these race teams own subsidiary companies. You know, like McLaren Applied Technology. So who's to say McLaren Applied yeah. Technology can't make very expensive parts and then sell them to the race team and, at, at a deep discount? And so, well, the race team's yeah. only spending yeah. this money, but yeah. they're spending that money helps. through the subsidiary company. Yeah, it's it's just a case of the the salary or the the budget cap is yeah. going to do nothing I mean, to is going to do nothing to level the playing field. Right. And what do you give you a sorry to give you a quick example of that? I mean. Slightly off topic here, but the concept of salary caps. Now, I um, there's a you know what you know as you quite you know want to call them a stick and ball sport. Rugby league back in England is a very very popular sport, and they have a salary cap. And uh, I had a good friend who worked in um, the the marketing and finance of of one of these very successful professional teams, and um, one of their star players was on you know a hundred thousand thousand dollars a year which is not you know, it's serious money but you know a player of that quality should be on five hundred thousand dollars a year 
Turns out that his wife was employed as a uh, retail consultant on four hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, and she had to go into the uh, into the club shop once a week and make sure everything was all the shelves were stacked neatly. Yeah, and the same. There's ways around it. They have. Oh been, my! They, yeah, they've sure been are. talking about that with Tom Brady for years, you know, because Tom Brady's arguably the best quarterback in in uh, in professional football, and you would think he would be paid accordingly, but he's not. He's somewhere along you know, 10th or 11th yeah. down the down the pecking order. And they've always assumed that, yeah, that Robert Kraft <laughs> is, uh, is paying Giselle, uh, you know, for, for you know, uh, supplementing her modeling career or something. You've got to be careful like what you say with Robert Kraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I understand. But 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 with this with this new salary, uh, this new thing that told me, would that also apply to human resources? Or is that just applying to... Uh, oh, there's any- huge, huge caveats to it. As I say, it doesn't include engine development. It doesn't include promotional work. It doesn't cover marketing. It doesn't cover driver, excuse me, driver salaries. Um, but yeah. I'm talking about human resources, like going and paying for top talent, uh, you know, uh, engineering talent and whatnot. That's what I was getting at. Is this all just going to be on, on developmental cost? As far as wind tunnel time and and uh, and simulator stuff and and testing and uh, you know all these other things that they that that they that they spend money on or will will you know human resources come under that umbrella as you yeah. see as you understand it yeah no I I mean I, th- I think fundamentally one of the issues that we'll see is that you know. Probably only half the, or probably only maybe a third of the Formula One grid um, actually achieve that uh, more. You know, I'm going to put say McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes probably spend more than 175 million dollars. I think I'm, I may be wrong. This is a number I'm quoting off the top of my head from uh, previous um, discussions on this. But um, you know, I, I think that. Uh, you know, there's probably very few teams that are actually going to be, you know, really affected by it. It'll just, yeah, 175 million dollars is the maximum. Um, but it, it, you know, to two thirds of the field, it's going to be business as usual. Oh yeah, I think Claire, Claire yeah. Williams was quoted as saying, "Oh, 175 million dollars, we'd have to double our budget just to just yeah. to get to the cap." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he says, yeah, the cap only applies to expenditure related to car performance, which will remain in place until 2026. Uh, in the event the team breaks financial regulations, the team can be penalized in a combination of three separate ways. Uh, yeah, okay, basically, yeah. <coughs> All right, so uh, we've got the Abu Dhabi race coming up. Yes. Yes, the... Um Season ender, so uh, do we care to make some picks for the season ender before we go on and talk about NASCAR for a bit? Uh, ooh, let's, let's go with the Claire. All right, Gray, you like anybody for this Abu Dhabi race? Yeah, uh, Verstappen. All right, well, I'll go with Hamilton then and, and say he just adds another one, gets one more closer to Schumacher's record there. So, uh, mm-hmm. now, so now, Gray, what what? We're, we finished up the NASCAR season. We, you know, we've crowned Kyle Busch the champion, and and uh, you know, to a lot of folks, especially Kyle himself, this is legitimized his championship. There were some folks who never bought into his first one because he missed half the season. So he's uh, he, he's done his his um, 
you know, promotional tour, uh, taking the uh, the trophy round on talk shows and stuff. So, uh, you know, great season for Kyle Busch, great season for Joe Gibbs. But uh, we've got a very short, short off season in NASCAR, and um, we're looking at some changes next year. To um, there, are, there are a few rule changes going to effect. We're going to continue to develop Arrow, and then there's some some very uh, uh, different looking things on the schedule for next year. So, what are some of the things that we're looking forward to um, in NASCAR next year? Well, you know, and one other thing this week, it was uh, Daniel Hemrick was named uh, Cup Rookie of the Year, so that uh, that was announced. And then, of course, we got the NASCAR season-ending banquet coming up uh, here pretty soon. I think next weekend in, in Nashville this year. Yeah, I guess the big the big thing is going to be the schedule, the 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 change in the schedule next year. Obviously, they're going to move some races around. Uh, uh, for next year, uh, Homestead will not be the season finale. That will be transferred to Phoenix. Uh, uh, Homestead's race will end up in the spring sometimes. Uh, Indy will be uh, on uh, uh, July 4th, which I still don't understand the reasoning behind that because it was moved to September a couple of years ago, and the reasoning behind that was because the heat in the, in July and August when the previous dates that race occupied were hurting the crowd. So, but then they completely go away from that and, and, and send it, send it back to Indy, uh, in the middle of July. I still don't understand that move. And they move, uh, the, uh, this, the traditional, uh, July 4th race or July 4th, uh, uh, event at Daytona to later in the, to later in the autumn to be part of the chase. Uh, and a few other dates have moved. Martinsville will now have a uh, have uh, spring race will be a night race, uh, and I believe it's either going to be in late April or May next year. And a few other little uh, changes in the schedule. Uh, yeah, and then po- Pocono is going to be yeah, a doubleheader. Doubleheader at Pocono, yeah, uh, that that weekend. So a few few things to come in and kind of spice it up and change things up. And I think they'll we'll probably see more flux. In the schedule, uh, they'll probably change it up every two or three years now. Uh, there's talk of uh, possibly a street race. Uh, NASCAR looking into uh, to do that coming up in in 2020, 2021. Well, actually, 2021, uh, we we may see that. Uh, now, have uh, they have they announced any cities they're looking at, or just the fact no, that there's a possibility? No. No, I think they just they're just talking about the possibility. And you'll see stories Macau. like that. Huh? Macau. Yeah. Macau. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see stories like that pop up this time of year. It's kind of a dead period for, for NASCAR news, not a lot going on. Of course the big news of, of last week was Jimmy Johnson announcing that next year will be his final season in Cup. So that kind of be, kind of spiced up the news cycle a little bit now. But there's 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 not much going on right now. There'll be a little bit of news coming out of the banquet next week. So you'll see guy, you know, stuff like that coming up and, and just something to keep keep the, the fans kind of kind of interested in 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 what's going on but yeah um we're in this period right now where the we're we're going I, I guess the big big thing that's the talk in the in the uh garages and in the, the shops right now is still the the new race car and what's going to happen who's going to who's going to get the contracts for a lot of these new components that are coming out in the in the in the car that's going to debut in 2021, and there'll be some more testing that goes on uh, in, with that car 
uh, as we as we go into uh, the season next year. So that's that's the one thing I'd tell fans to kind of keep their uh, keep their uh, ears to the ground on the, the the stories that come out about that as that process uh, goes through and, and and gets nearer to uh, to a finished product. Right. Now, now is um is Delara locked in as the 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 chassis manufacturer? I don't know or, that they are. I, I, okay, I, they're I, just they just yeah. have a um. They're one of the players right now. It's, one it's, of the players right now. Yeah, that would um that would mean a lot of jobs in the Indianapolis area, or they may even open another facility. You know, yeah, in North Carolina or whatnot. So that yeah, would be I would good, think, that would be I would, good for Delara. Yeah, I would think they would open a facility just just because of the talent that's available in in building the. Stock car chassis being in North Carolina, it would stand to reason that if you would uh, you would want to you you know want to put it here in North Carolina and have have a red, readily available pool of employees close by that, that's probably going to need work because obviously uh, a lot of these teams that have been building cars over the years, uh, unless they have Xfinity programs, are are, are going to need few, far fewer employees than they've than they've had in the past so we'll see how that goes but Certainly, still yeah. still a lot of that stuff up in the air are but there any um are there any other names in the hat for for building that car i, I had thought well, that uh, penske had put their name in the hat to yeah i'm sure roush i'd heard roush had put their name in roush and gibbs have haven't they name. yeah well yeah why not you know gibbs too so the the bigger outfits obviously they have the wherewithal to 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 do it probably wouldn't have have long tentacles with their fan, uh, uh, manufacturing uh, 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 partnerships too. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say. And 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 it, but a lot of stuff. I, I do know that uh, someone was telling me today that they've seen the new drive, new powertrain thing. The the uh, is sort of a uh, um, um, like a um, transaxle type thing. You know. Uh, Again, that's going to be a stark departure from what NASCAR's run. NASCAR's run like the nine-inch Ford rear-end housing forever and uh, for, for, for four decades. And, uh, of course, that's going away, um, and uh, there'll be a, be a little bit that, – that'll, that'll be different. Uh, different uh, um, manufacturer for that, different uh, maintenance procedures and things like that. Uh, on how that's going to be maintained. Like I said, there's a lot that's going to uh, come into view as we go further into the season. You know, in that far as far as that, we're just going to have to kind of stay tuned and see how it develops. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, because it's a it's going to be. I mean, this is the first time we've had a common manufacturer for all of the yeah all, all all the cup cars and so it's yeah. the like you said there's going to be and a lot of guys yep shop for shop that are going to be kind of maybe out of work or or maybe picking up work elsewhere right for whoever it's going to it's going to actually reduce it should reduce it may, may reduce the size of teams that we we've known and a lot of these things they claim are going to be uh, these are cost cutting measures but i can huh. tell you this initially Don't this car it. right initially this car is going to be you know, initially getting these cars off the ground is going to be quite expensive and more expensive than than building the current cup car, the cost of a current cup car. So, uh, you know, that may be something that they may save money down the road, you know, uh, but uh, initially it's going to it's going to be quite an investment and it's going to cost the owners 
to 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 get these new cars up and running and and developed and purchase the the, the the stuff to do it with. But one thing I want to ask you guys, you know, there's been a lot of talk talk. You know, we, we can do kind of a kind of a movie review. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I plan to go. But you know, it's it's you see the trailers all over the TV. The Ford versus Ferrari movie. Has any have any of you guys seen it yet? Uh, not yet, unfortunately. No. Yeah, okay, gonna, <laughs> no. No, me either. Um, I've I heard did, several people I, I did, I, and say they really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did watch the uh, documentary that um, that Adam Carolla and um, his partner um, Nate Adams uh, put out, the one called the Twenty Four Hour War, uh, which mm-hmm. is a very very good document. I wanted to, I'd watch that earlier in the year. I wanted to rewatch that before I uh, head out to the theater and see the um, dramatic version of it. So, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've heard really good things about the film uh, yeah. from folks that are not even. Uh, race fans, of course, you folks that are race fans and are race historians want to point out every inaccuracy in there, um, which is you know par for the course. You know, um, well, it's, you know, you know th- those of us that that that, that know fact for fact uh, want to point out what's wrong with the film uh, rather than just sit back and be entertained. Um, right. and, you know, Hollywood yeah. is Hollywood is is about entertainment and it's designed to be entertaining and maybe not. 100% factual, but I, it, it looks really good. I mean, the, the actors involved are, uh, you know, top shelf, so... Um, I, artistic, I'm, I'm, artistic license, yeah. Yes, yes, based on based on true events, yes. Yeah, so. so... I didn't know if any of you guys have seen it. I, I plan to try to go here in the next uh, next few weeks to go and, and take it in because that was a, a significant... Uh, Period in motorsports, in course, in our lives, you know, we we grew up around this stuff, and it's a story that we we know and have, have read about uh, all our lives and talked about. My son even uh, studied this in law school. The uh, part of it, he 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 talks about how uh, you know uh, Ford was wanting to purchase Ferrari, and they go over to Marinello with their string of uh, team of lawyers and whatnot and then you know there is Enzo with with this his the the town attorney with him you know and he meets this uh team of high-powered uh legal legal team with that Ford brings in and they he said they have studied certain concepts of how that went down in their in their law school classes. So it's pretty interesting how how that came about. But yeah, I look forward to go, and that's part of that's depicted in the. Uh, I won't spoil it for for some of the people who haven't seen it yet. But that's that part of it is depicted in the in the movie. So yeah, that's uh, one of the things to uh, to look for when you go see it. But I hope hope to be able to go see it because I've heard you know good things about the flick. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to go see it. So, but with that being said, we are out of time for tonight. So, um, a great job in filling an hour with no topics to talk about, fellas. I really appreciate that. So, uh, uh, you know, thanks to the Hoobazy Radio Network and thanks to iHeartRadio and Spreaker and uh, Google Podcasts and all those folks that host us. And thanks for you folks that tune in and listen to us. Uh, next week will be our our season-ending show. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that one. We'll uh, recap recap our bold predictions from last year, see who was right, who was wrong, and make our bold predictions for next year. But until then... We'll talk to you in a week. Good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 